1: You're you're just you're worried about outcomes. You're like, well, what if it's not perfect? And you're you have to like, it's not going to be perfect. So you have you, you don't even know what perfect is. That's like the first thing to let go of. It's not just that if you have to let go of it's not going to be perfect. Let go of the idea that you even know what perfect might be. You could draw a map, have engineers make it exactly like you think you want something to be, but then it turns out somehow maybe you'll hate it in a year. Like you don't even you just, you don't you need to let go of the idea that there is such a thing as perfect. So that, that helps a lot though, because then it frees you to really just focus on what you like. And I, I would encourage everyone to like, just trying to create, to really create for themselves. Like it, it's, forget all this like proven things to somebody else. You're gonna show everybody like, fuck all that. Like that's never gonna get you anywhere. Like this is coming from in you, and it needs to be for you.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Benny Goodman. You're, you're here at 2020 with Corey Paza and Siobhan Cronin. What's up, guys?
2: Hey, What's how's going it going, on? Ben?
0: This week is great because it's brought to you by <laughs> V8 spicy type with... It's not low sodium. I'll let you know that. Um, all re- that stuff. I
3: refuse to be sponsored by V8. That shit's gross.
0: It's delicious. <laughs> it's everyone, like going to ruin whatever sponsorship
3: opportunity we ever had with It's them. a
0: reconstituted <laughs> juice thing. But I'm very excited this week because we have... Such an amazing human being. Like I mean, this guy. Like just the way he's just going through life. Like it's a zen way to be, and his success with all the things that he does, especially with music. But like his philosophical understanding of Randy Rhodes, which, by the way, I have (laughs) hundreds of these original '80s photos of them, all hundreds of them. So, like when you when you say that, we're scarily similar, scaring me. I say to you. The man who
2: brought you Star Set, Rob Grace,
0: And so Thank much more it.
2: than that. But yes, Rob, and I love glad it. to have you back Thank again. You,
3: yeah. Well, let's be honest. As the unofficial Star Set podcast, <laughs> that's what people really care <laughs> the about. The <Star>
1: yeah. <laughs> I've heard that rumor about you guys. <laughs>
2: Well, we left off at the end of the last episode for anyone that didn't check that out. Go listen to part one with Rob. A lot of amazing stories. Um, you know, we kind of left off at the point where, you know, you'd been working with Red, developed your sound and, you know, sort of getting into the sort of full time producer life, you know, mm-hmm. not wanting to do mm-hmm. the songwriter by day thing. So let's pick up yeah. from there. I mean, what? where did your life take you at that point when you sort of realized that this you know, you mentioned you yeah. were just kind of flying around so- songwriting, mm-hmm. wanting to get deeper with people, do stuff that's more intensive, like sort of long-term relationships. So what changed at yeah. that point?
1: Um, I I don't know. There, there was like a, I think it was, I think it was actually getting a bit burnout from doing a lot of writing with different bands. And I, you know, I should say like I worked with some great bands and love the songs that I wrote with these guys who wrote like some great songs with Hailstorm and All the Remains. And we had like number ones and all that. It was awesome. And I, I loved doing it with them because I actually got to go a bit deeper. But that's kind of what I realized is like of all these different writing sessions I was doing, the ones I'd really enjoyed were ones like with like Hailstorm, for example, where we had written for like months probably together and we got to go a bit deeper. And uh, it just sort of showed me like, I probably want to do like something a bit different than this. I don't want to fall into this, you know, kind of show up at two, write a song and leave and then then forget about it, you know? and. I wanted to connect a bit deeper with it. I, I don't know. There was it was just sort of a a transitory time, I guess, and I I wasn't you know quite sure what I was going to do with my publishing deal and all this. That I, I just kind of decided to leave Nashville. I I didn't really like the South that much. Uh, I'm from New England. Grew up in like northern Maine. It's like way up uh, at the top of Maine, and it uh, I just couldn't quite get into the South. You know, it wasn't really connecting <laughs> with it and uh, i wanted to get back to maine i i had always sort of seen that happening maybe going back and again this is another thing i was told like it was kind of crazy like it's going to be hard to get artists to work with you if you're in maine it's but you know if you're starting a music career i would say yeah it's going to be really hard to start it from outside new york or nashville or la but you know if you're established maybe you can pull something like that off so um i came back up to maine i still had my studio in nashville so i was still traveling back and forth a lot but that move it just i don't know it it helped get me out of that it's you know the music industry is a bit of a bubble when you're in it because everybody you talk to is in that industry and you're all talking about the same things and the same people and you all know the same people and it's just when you get outside of it a little bit you get some more perspective and um it just helped me slow down a bit and kind of reevaluate just a lot of things I guess in life. And it was a raider. It was actually not that long after I came back uh, to Maine that Dustin called me, which we knew each other from. I'd written with him on the Downplay stuff. Do you guys talk about the Downplay stuff on this podcast? You
2: know, on the, on the show, we haven't talked much about Downplay, but yeah, for anyone listening, Downplay was a band, Dustin's prior band. And I actually didn't realize that.
0: Brock's talked about Downplay. He, okay. He might have mentioned
2: yeah. it. Yeah. But yeah. the Star Set fans will know. For sure
1: yeah so it was a project he was doing before star set and we'd written together for that and
2: let me ask you real quick before you go sure. on how did he find you like what did that connection look like where how did you guys uh, get together
1: i think it was our publishers set it up well, i think he sought it out he wanted to write with me because he liked innocence and instinct a lot he liked red and he thought it he actually thought i might produce that record the downplay record and wanted to write with me and i was one of the guys, I can't remember who I ended up producing, can't remember who did it, but it, I was one of the guys maybe that was going to produce it. And that's why we uh, started talking the first time we were in. I met him at a Friday's in Franklin, Tennessee. That was where we met and hung out. And <laughs> wow, great memory. Another funny story about that night one of the waiters there came up and recognized me and gave me a demo of his band. While we were sitting there and uh it was oh my god I can't, remember, can't remember his name it's the framing hanley kid the, the singer for framing hanley um but yeah he worked there and he wow. gave me that demo which i i didn't i mean I, it was cool but i didn't pursue it i guess i should have because they became a huge band so anyway dustin and we had a good talk and we wrote and uh we wrote a song that he didn't cut for downplay but i think Mailing the Sons of Disaster recorded it. I, I don't know. It was, uh, we just became friends and then I hadn't talked to him in a while. And I heard about like, because something happened with downplay where the management changed at EMI and they kind of cut out all the rock bands right before his yeah. record was supposed to come out. It was a real bad blow. And, uh, but he just, you know, I was like, okay, what's next? And so he, he called and started telling me about this project he had. He just kind of, he like, Blurted it all out like I hadn't talked to him in you know like probably a year or two, and he's like, "Okay, hear me out. It's like a space thing," and he starts telling me all about it. I'm like, "Whoa, okay, cool." I mean, I you know I knew he was a super creative guy and he had a lot of cool ideas, and I was interested in it. I'm like, "Well, send me some stuff, you know, like let me hear it and and see." He he said he had started it, but it just wasn't like getting to where Starting he wanted. Star set. Yeah. He had started some demos and he, it just wasn't like, he knew that it were the guys he's working with who I, I knew them pretty well. And I, I still know them very well. I work with them a lot. They, um, it just wasn't quite getting to like where he knew he wanted it. Cause he, he heard all this already in his head. Like what star Set became like, he just knew it was going to be this huge epic, you know, thing. And, uh, but you know, he sent me stuff and I'm like, this is like really good. You know, I immediately loved it. Like, it wasn't like a thing where I had to think about it, like at all, really. Like it was, and that just happened. Red was like that too. Like there was only Mm -hmm. a couple things like that where, you know, I just hear it and it's like immediately, yes. Like, it's just gonna, like, there was no question. I wanted to to work on it. So he sent me probably like a telescope. It has begun, you know, just like the starts of these songs, you know, and it was enough to hear it and just be like, whoa.
2: Do you are you able to identify what was the element that drew you in, or is is it like just a feeling or a collection of things? Like I'm just curious, what it is that that captures you with a song when you listen to it?
1: There is an element that it's hard for me to maybe pinpoint. There's just something I know. Like it's just a thing. Uh But I I think with those songs, it I don't know. They they had a lot of interesting. I don't know. The, the melodies were great. Like they, they were just are sort of great songs. Like I, I really liked the melodies. I loved the, the chord changes he was using and it had, you know, the production was just getting started, but I think they were, they were produced just enough to where it's like, when I heard it, I heard everything it could be. Mm-hmm. It was I, like, I, I was hearing like pretty bare demos, but they were produced just enough to where like in my head I'm like, hearing everything i'm hearing strings and orchestras and all the different elements we're going to bring into it like it just it was inspiring there's like uh certain things i hear where i just hear like about a hundred different threads i know i could pull and see where that goes like let's follow that let's follow that one let's follow and it was just full of that stuff like everything i heard so it was a it was a pretty clear like yes we're gonna i want to do this so um I told him, yeah. And then we, you know, started working on it. So that, that happened kind of right when I moved back up here. So I was back in Nashville a lot, you know, working
0: on it. So wait, again, for dumb dums like me. So synopsis. So it's basically a musical choose your own adventure with Dustin and Rob. Yeah.
1: That's a good way to summarize it. <laughs>
0: that's what it felt like.
1: You know, I and I didn't know him that well. I, I knew he was, you know, you know, good writer, obviously, and you know, super creative. I like the idea of, of all of it, you know, the, the whole concept that he had. And I, I love what I loved is how like he just come back from this EMI thing with downplay and he just wasn't even like phased by it. You know, like he was just like, okay, well, I'm gonna do the next thing. And he's so super driven. And like when you're working with when your producer kind of developing an artist, because I, you know, I've only ever worked with like red that was unsigned. And, you know, there's a couple other you know, bands I did a little demo or two with and that maybe didn't go anywhere. But really, a you know, Red and Stars are the two main things I did that were not signed. So if you're going to, like, work with a band like that that's going to get a deal, then you have to know that they are driven. Like, they have to make it happen. And so many bands think they're going to start working with their producer and then all their problems are solved. And uh, it's, you know, it's really the band that's going to have to make it happen still. And I could just tell that like Dustin was very on that course. Like He was not going to fail. Like There was no way. And I, I don't know. It was just great to see it. And I, yeah, I was glad yeah. that he asked me to do it.
3: And once you got into the room together, what did that look like when you first dove into those tracks and started working together? How'd that go?
1: We're both fairly dominant creative personalities, um, I guess, when we're in the room together. And it's... I don't know, it's just kind of like when you're writing or or producing something, it's, I, I can, you know, usually, so if you're producing something, everyone's looking to you anyway. So you sort of, you really need to be like on course. There's not a lot of room for like dithering and trying to like this choice or that dithering. choice. It's just decisions. Well, dithering, it's, it's so it's the difference between choice and like decision. So like, you know, with, with choice, it's like, it might be wrong. Like you're, you're kind of, it could possibly be a mistake to like, which thing should I do? And it's, you have to get rid of that idea. It's just like, it's not, there isn't really going to be a mistake. You have to, it's not like this, this or that. It's just, you make the decision. Like you're not too worried about it being wrong. It's so it's a decisiveness, I guess. And he can be like that as well. So we're, you're two guys like that. So, but there wasn't a lot of clashing really, because even though we're both similar in that way, there's there's a lot of trust that in it. We didn't ever really need to talk about it. It just was something that we fell into naturally where um, he, if he's saying that he wants to do something and I, I don't quite, I'm not sure about it. It seems like a weird idea to me maybe, but I the, I trust that he's got something in mind and I trust that if I don't like it right away, that maybe, maybe I'm not getting it. Like there's so there's a lot of trust that i'll put into him and we'll we'll pursue something and i he's pretty similar i think with me like he, he might not he knows that sometimes i need to take a circuitous right around around things and it takes me it might take me a few iterations uh to get to like the the place i'm trying to get to and he's pretty patient with like letting that happen and if there's something i really hate and i let him know that like we're, i don't really want to do this thing then he's like cool we won't do it and it's and it's like that with both ways it's just like there's like this point where we reach where we'll go back and forth and argue about this pre-chorus versus that pre-chorus or this or that but then there's like this point where you know if i'll hear a bridge and be like that bridge is absolutely not going to work for this song like we have to do something different even if he likes it he trusts that i'm probably hearing something that he's not and we're good with it and then it's the opposite I'll tell me he wants some crazy like genre shift into a pre-chorus or something and i'm like you what you want to drop into like a like a techno build here like what okay <laughs> and then you want to do um in like in my head i'm like i would never have thought of this and it doesn't make sense but like i trust that he's hearing something there and i have to pursue that like i have to like see what's there because he's pointed to like a rock and said, there's something hidden under there. You have to go find it. That's almost what it's Mm -hmm. like. I'm like, okay, I need to go look now. Let's see what this is. And then it's fun because then it's like a, it's a whole challenge. So with, with vessels more so than transmissions, I think that was, you know, we did way more stuff on vessels like that, like just crazy out of the blue stuff. And it was, it was fun because it was a, it was a long record to make, but it was also that kind of, it was a discovery like it was just like what can we do here that's like uh kind of left to center and kind of crazy that no one expects but actually seems in retrospect after you hear it like oh yeah that worked that seems kind of natural
3: was there a plan or a sonic goal discussed prior to getting together that you guys kind of knew that you wanted to go for or was it was it that discovery of like oh let's try this let's try this
1: i we knew sort of there there is discussion about that kind of stuff you know it's it's both maybe you know we're both very open to like let's just we're going to see where this leads us we're 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 very open to that but there is intention as well so we know that they're, they're more uh just descriptive terms more than specific so like I mean yeah we know we want orchestra we want some strings and maybe some horns and all that kind of stuff but we would just think more like we want like a vast epicness to it and whatever that means. And there's a lot of things that can be that. So, uh, we, we just kind of, that was the early descriptive terms that he was using for me. It was like, we want it just like epic beyond belief, you know, and just, uh, <clears throat> kind of a huge, uh, vastness to the sound. And then we really pushed the genre shifting. So that came in on vessels where, that was also intentional. Like we knew we wanted to like kind of push it. Like when we did something heavy, we wanted it to be very heavy. And when we did something that was kind of like pop, we wanted it to be like very pop. We wanted it to sound like the weekend or something like it was. Uh, so that was without getting super specific of what we were going to do. It was just this general comment of like when we do a, a genre shift into something else, we want it to be, Pretty extreme in that direction. So whatever that happens to mean for the part we're working on, you know, That's we great. just figure it out and we just let that kind of guide us. It's like, how far can we take it? Have we taken it far enough? Can we go further? And also for me, a lot of things tend to come together at the end of projects. I'm like a some sort of like a finisher with things. Like I'd like to really things can change. Like a song can drastically. Drastically change at, in the last like couple days. It can change in the last couple hours. That before I send it to mix. Even if I've been working on it for months, there's just something about that last kind of few pieces of the puzzle where it it's just like a little thing that happens, and it all of a sudden it's like, oh, it works. So that can be a challenge with you know artists sometimes because they it's you know I want to make it get done a little quicker for them so they can hear what it's going to be like. But I don't even know what it's going to be like because we haven't figured it out yet. It's just, it's like a, I don't know. It's like a thing where you have to just keep digging, 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 digging. And sometimes it just takes a while.
2: Well, that's where the trust comes in too, is just trusting that that, you know, that is how you do it and that you pull it off. And that's that's part of what the partnership you make, I suppose, you know, in formulating that relationship. I think you
0: like very eloquently, like kind of, exemplified the mystique that is star set. So basically it sounds like Dustin's a visionary and then you're the guy that's like, I gotta get that through the speakers. Like there's so many times I call Corey, like Corey's yeah. that guy. Like he'll he'll work with Shannon Larkin, who's just like, wait, I had a dream. I wrote it down. I had a vision <laughs> and what Corey sent um, me. It's like fucking Macho Man Randy Savage shit. Like, but Gogan. <laughs> and he but he's serious and i and i love it because it's it's real but he has to figure out like is it the 40 hertz or is he talking about the 40 hertz and like yeah. that's what dustin seems mm-hmm. to be doing to you and the starset messengers and universe like it's a universe mm-hmm. is a vernacular to this band which yeah. to me is just ridiculous like other than kiss which is just blatantly just this elitist capitalistic band starset is the most like world full inclusive experience five-star resort of a band we have literature we have messengers we have lingo and yeah. it's brilliant man like hats off <laughs> I, I really mean that from the it's bottom fun. of my heart
1: thank you it's it's fun it is uh it's it's a fun process where i i do want to bring all of his ideas to that place you're talking about like i know how big his ideas are and what he sees for it. And it's my, I really want to like surprise him. that That's the thing, he's not easy to surprise because he expects a lot. So um, whenever I can get that reaction from him, it's always very good. <laughs> when I get like the yeah. text, like, holy fuck. <laughs> you know, like w- whatever, whatever thing it is. Um, so yeah, that's like my, my kind of goal. I want to like push it that far. And he gives me a lot of license to do that you know he's like he wants to push me and see what I can do like what crazy shit can I think of and all that so yeah we just learned to speak each other's language I would say over the years
2: yeah Yeah. well uh, speaking of crazy shit I want to ask you a little bit about strings because you know I think as someone that comes from the classical world you know and I had done some rock playing before but then joining star set and like you know getting the stems and okay learn all these stems and like, I've yeah. always, everything that I've heard of the stuff you've produced has been, like, so incredibly, like, surprising and, like, weird in a good way. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, like everything is just, like, not what I would have thought would have been there, you know, coming from where I come from. But but then That's it works so perfectly and it adds all this stuff. And I, I'm just curious, you know, mm-hmm. you mentioned, obviously, Loving Strings and you had done that with Red. But, like, where did you develop that that skill of writing or... Thinking of something that is so perfect but unexpected because it's you know it's got kind of a classical vibe but it's it's edgy enough that it doesn't necessarily fit you know it's got that kind of like Hmm. you know it wants to kind of push you a little bit you know.
1: Well, yeah, thank you for all that. Um, But some of well. Some of it, honestly, is probably from not being trained like you are. You know, it, it just might be uh, so being trained is the in biggest my, my
2: my biggest mistake yeah. in life is going to school.
1: I mean, yeah, there, there's not exactly that, but it, yeah. No, I know, of, I
2: know what
0: you mean. You never yeah, let it, your schooling get in the way of your education. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's and Basically. that can be a, a challenge. I uh, I don't know. I it's just what. I, I think that okay. So first of all, I, I do work with. Uh, sometimes I work with the string arranger David Davidson, who you know he does write some of those parts. It's not hundred percent me. I, I usually often will give him like a, a an idea of what I want, like a, I'll kind of sketch up some you know basic ideas, um, and he's very good at translating all that stuff for me too. So there's multiple layers of this, like translating it from me to the string arranger back to me. Yeah. You know, so and then trying to get dustin's ideas in there as well so it's not 100 percent me but i i do tend to uh i don't know I, th- there's just certain i don't know it's like these magic notes it's like the, the things you just know that you want to hear it's it's being able to set up uh tension in just the right way so that it, everyone is just waiting for it to release. Like it has to, it's something that's very difficult to describe, but it's just like a, a method of writing, I guess, where it-
0: where, Give us an example in a song that we can understand. Like, you know what I mean? Like in the Beatles song, where they go from major to minor, like for me, like when, you know what I'm talking about, the major to minor thing, is it, get, it gets me the goosebumps. Like there are magic tricks. Like what you're talking about is a magic trick in music. Where did you hear it? Like, where did that come from? Like, when was the first time that you're like, surprised and you're like, what is that? Teddy mm. Van Halen, man,
2: that was like five questions.
0: There's a lot of
1: questions. Zeppelin, probably. What song? Like, um, since I've been loving you. Since I've been loving you. Oh
2: yeah. Oh yeah.
1: So it's this little simple blues jam, and then all of a sudden, there's this like diminished chord, and then another diminished chord a half step down. It's just like, where did that come from? And then they're back to just simple blues so that would not that little weird um walk that chromatic walk down they do in the middle of that progression it would not be as cool if everything else around it weren't pretty mundane but because it is then this thing is just like this you know, light shining in the middle of like a field or something. It's like, where, where did that come from? Like why? And of course, like Robert Plant's performance on that as it goes through where he's singing kind of quietly. And then all of a sudden, you know, just the next time he comes in, it's like, he's an octave higher or maybe an octave and a half higher. And it's just this really unexpected. I don't know. This That's probably a, a really good example. Like, like Zeppelin is a band where I spent, I was like maybe 19 or 20, like just a year listening, I think only to Zeppelin. Like I'm pretty sure it was when they, they released like that, The CDs of uh, the remastered Zeppelin collection, and I just listened to that over and over again. It was like my my kind of moment. Uh, Cashmere, of course, was like Mm -hmm. uh, another one of those songs where there's a lot of. I feel like I learned everything I know about production from Cashmere. Like I've everything is in there if you listen to that song that I do. Like it's the. the the way the strings are combined and he learned
0: everything he he needed to know and even got jimmy page
1: he even got page yeah i haven't managed that one yet
0: i mean can can we just can we just tip our hats as musicians led zeppelin fans that dude's the man yeah let's leave it at that continue fucking page Cashman. yeah
1: that's that's probably the best example i could give of that thing that you're asking about like the thing that i love that that surprised me and i think that's I don't know, like that kind of stuff, I think I'm pretty influenced by it. And I, it just, so that I don't intentionally do it, but that's just because I listened to it so much and it was formative for me that that's just how Mm -hmm. I hear it. Like, that's just how I tend to hear music. So when those opportunities come up, when I'm writing something, that's probably what I'm going to write is something like that. Like it, it, it's, it's like this weird thing of, you don't always You can talk about this in retrospect but like when you're doing it like there's never a point where i'm thinking like i'm going to add something like that or that i'm going to add some like really good uh you know tension so i can release it here later it's just it happens and then maybe later you can recognize it in like the next part of the process where you're editing it down and trying to figure out what you like about it or don't like about it then you might be able to get into editor mode and see okay this is here's what's happening here's why i like this i think so how can i attenuate that and make it a little bit better um you know whatever the thing you're trying to do is you don't really think about it when you're creating it there's like this you just need to let it how do you hear it let that come out and it just i tend to write that way without thinking about it and then i might go back later when i'm at, when i'm in thinking mode and i'll make them even more like a, like whatever i happened that i liked i'll make it happen even more So that that's when it gets a little fun. So,
3: yeah. Can you expand on that? Like your writing process and like and producing process sounds like there's like clearly defined steps. The way you're saying it right
1: now. Well, yeah. I mean, I've it wasn't always that way. I only in recent years. Like, I really, I just, I probably went through a lot of time where I didn't really want to understand much about creativity. I probably thought you could mess it up way easier than you could fix anything and make it better. And because of that, it was like this kind of crazy chaotic sort of process for most of you know my creative life. It was actually when i started uh i was doing getting into writing I've always kind of liked to write you know fiction, and I was getting a i decided to go uh to get an m f a in creative writing
2: oh wow That's unknown fact <laughs> it's
1: tidbit and but it was interesting because during that process. I sort of, I began to recognize some things like I, I I would have thought, you know, I'm like, well, I've been a professional creator my my whole life. So, you know, I was going to translate over here to writing and it it really didn't for me. And it was uh, interesting because I I found myself asking a lot of what I would have considered kind of amateurish sort of questions. If someone were asking me questions about music, like, what do you write first lyrics or melody that kind of stuff i'm like i don't know you just fucking write whatever you need to write at the time like you just do the thing but like i was asking like the version of those questions for maybe fiction writing and it hit me like holy shit i'm like there's an opportunity here for like maybe the amateur fiction writer in me to ask the professional music guy, some questions. And I can almost have this like dialogue of like, why does it work over here? And it doesn't work over here always. And uh, just through thinking that was kind of the thing that set me off and thinking a lot about certain, like the process and understanding, you know, parts of the process. But it, it really, for me, it boils down to like, um, I there's initial, there's a, an initial creation moment where you really want to be out of your head as much as possible. You don't want to be thinking, you want to like, let it sort of, you want to guide whatever's happening. Like if, if a good example would be if you were sculpting, maybe, and you're using, a using wood, what's the grain of the wood suggesting to you that this piece wants to be all art can do that, you know, so music, whatever it is, you can just sort of let it happen to some degree. And you're kind of guiding it you, you're not you need to force it you don't need it to be anything you're just gonna let it be what it wants to be and then you know be, assuming you have knowledge of your craft and all that kind of stuff then you can later apply some of that theory to what happened and why did you like it and then can you then make it even better and if you don't like something about it, what can change? What else could it do? Now, that, you know, if, if I know um, scales and modes and options, maybe I can think maybe there should be a different, you know, we can, we can lift it here to a different chord. We can change modes, whatever it is. Like, I'm not thinking about that when I'm creating it, but there's an opportunity editing wise later. And then it's just some kind of, a, I guess it's oscillating between those those places of sort of being free with ideas and not thinking and just, playing around to like okay back to editor guy for a second and then kind of going back and forth but i there's this thing you can do i call it sandboxing and it's not a good thing where i tend to do it in writing and i, I can do it and i can find myself doing it in music where you're just kind of pushing ideas around and it usually happens when you're just kind of thinking about the the thing that you want to do Uh, you'll, you'll tend to like, not really uh, be actually doing anything. You're just thinking about what you could do. And this is where the the choice thing I talked about earlier comes in where you're just like, which thing should I do? And and you're just pushing around options. So that's why I call it like the sandboxing thing. So you're, you're not really doing anything, but it has this feeling that you are, but you'll get stuck there for like weeks, months, sometimes years on something and not make any forward progress. And like the real thing that you kind of realize in the process is that it's, whatever question you have, the answer's always in the work. You know, it's always in getting your hands in there and pushing the work forward and then the questions answer themselves.
3: I'm noticing a, uh, a trend in, in the way you're talking about this. Are you like into like stoicism and and that kind of philosophy? Cause you're talking about, like, you know, obstacle is the path kind of, yeah. you know, things like that.
1: Yeah. Not specifically stoicism maybe, but yeah, like Zen philosophy is very much a part of it for me. It's, it's like a, you know, there's not really a mistake that can be made here. You just sort of, you know, and once you realize that it's, you're, you're free to not have to worry about it, but you you don't need a um, certain, it's really, it's like an inquiry is, is the thing I would describe it. There's, there's like a, I think there's this idea of creating that it's supposed to be hard and it's, it's like, well the war of art so it's a, it's a war um it's passive
0: aggressive manifestation i'm calling it back like that's, that's good- what you do like you because you are a mystic bro like you were talking about all the like you basically described cartesian thought you're like you kind of have free will but it's kind of an illusion and really it's just inside your head so it's like the super ego versus the ego versus the id like you're that guy and i know why dustin can work with you because that guy's like He's like, his CPU is working on like 13 different, you're just in the, in the cache. And we like,
1: yeah, <laughs> you're,
0: you're, you're like floating over your body, like astrally projecting yourself to the star set universe. And you're like, bro, listen, what if we do this in Dolby Atmos? You basically pull this manifestation out of you. You're like, I'm just going to, I don't know how it works, but I've worked with enough geniuses to go and do this. And if I could do this stage and maybe I, and I know that I push things around the sandbox, but if I can focus the laser beam and I can get a guy like Dustin excited, if that's just my goal for today to get him excited or or, or surprised that we can get to this next level. And at that level we can start building it to the next level. And like you have this process and it is like a very specific linear thing for you, but it's also mixed in with this level of Zen that like he said as stoicism i can understand that too and like i said cartesian thought the whole concept that you really have you know it's like i'm not going to edit it to a grid But then it's like i feel uncomfortable you know what i mean like so what are you gonna do you know, like what are you gonna do bro edit it a little bit like and you're like that venn diagram of that i feel like
1: well maybe (laughs) i don't think about it that much (laughs) or in that in that way exactly because to me it's i know
0: (laughs) To no me, one it's, thinks that
1: way, man. To me, it's pretty. It's it's actually it's simple. Like I, I know it sounds like it's maybe complicated, but it, it it's weird because it it actually takes a lot of maybe thought and work and complication initially to finally arrive at the place where you see how simple it really is. It it, it is just that simple of doing it. Like there, I think everyone looks for a secret or something, and it's like there isn't one. That's the secret, though. Like there's nothing, like as long as you think there's some like kind of question that can be answered about whatever it is you're doing, if you think there's an answer to it, then you'll spend all your time like looking for that answer and not doing the one thing that's actually going to find you the answer, which is, you know, doing it, which is, you know, Rookie talks about living the question it's that's what it is you, you don't ever answer the question you live it you, you just say like i don't know what the right thing to do here is well there isn't one really if you inquire into that enough you'll see that there's, there's no actual like answer to the kinds of questions that we tend to ask about creating um and you know we all have a lot the different kinds of questions we ask they can be Simple ones like, you know, which thing should I do first, lyrics or music, or should I write the whole, should I do a bunch of songs, uh, sketches, or do you finish one song first? Like all those kinds of questions don't have answers. Like there isn't like a, a, a way to figure out an answer there. You can uh, waste a lot of time worrying about that kind of stuff. But like as soon as you see past that, because you, you inquire into it deeply enough, you just move forward. You, ju- you just have to, you see that there's no answer. So why would I waste my time? thinking about it and that's what living the question is you just sort of like you, you just keep going you, you do the work and then those answers kind of manifest themselves as you go and they can only be answered that way so there's it's actually the simplest thing that it could be but it takes a lot of inquiry to get to that point of seeing that you know
2: well, and it takes a lot of, of patience, too, because, I mean, I feel like the majority of musical types are also pretty neurotic in one way or another. Um, yeah. And I think it's hard to find peace with that willingness to let that time pass to discover that, you know, because there's always the anxiety and worry of like, oh, well, I have to do something. And um, yeah, but yeah, kind of the yeah the crux of it is you, that's that's part of what you have to do to get to what you need. So it's it's difficult to reconcile that.
1: Yeah, it's uh I again I, I didn't really do this for most of my career. It's only been the last like four or five years. And it really only happened because of the writing thing where I'm like, oh, I see that there's a disconnect here. And that made me really want to understand it. I'm like, well, <clears throat> why would I ever feel like I want to do something creatively, but not do it? Like I, I refuse to accept this idea of that's just how it is. And there's something called resistance of the well, fuck that. I want to know what it is. What is it? Why is it happening? And it was this inquiry I had into that that really showed me, like, oh, we're just talking about fear and fear of a lot of different things. It's ultimately it's fear of our own, you know, finitude. Our, our we're we're not we can't do everything, and we we're limited by what we can do. So everything is sort of this manifestation of that fear, and we have all these beliefs about. Um, that our work might be bad or might not be good enough or we have all these ideas that we want it to be and what if it's not that and that just gets, we get so wound up but you can, if you are willing to, you can go into all of that and see how it all unwinds and that just there's no point and ever in like worrying about an outcome because you can never possibly control it and even if you could control it, you don't know if you want that outcome. You know, the best thing in the world.
0: Control what you can control.
1: Yeah, if you can control anything. I don't know if you can.
0: No, you cause, I mean, I, that's a great piece of advice. I, my aunt used to always tell me, you don't worry about what you can't control. Whereas my anxiety all the time wakes me up in the middle of the night from a dead sleep. And it's just like, yeah. here are all the different things that you can't control. So I think that that's a wonderful, it's a very important skill in life to be able to circumvent that. Like, absolutely.
1: Yeah. It's a life thing. And it's, it's also a creative thing, you know, it is, but it's a life thing as well. Cause it, yeah, it applies to everything and it's, it makes things easier. You know, it's like, it's, uh, I, I think I have like, I don't know. I, I feel for artists who want to create and, and don't, or, or can't for some reason, like they, they just can't get it out of them. And that's why a lot of the things I talk about on social media, like I'll, I'll just give these little, you know, tweets or whatever, just about like, this is what's going on. You know, like you're, you're spending all your time worrying about things that you shouldn't be worrying about because they don't have, you can't control them. So there's no point yeah you know, all that kind of stuff. It, it takes a lot of it, Query to understand it, though,
3: with your philosophy and your your disposition, um, and mm. you know, it's so such the opposite of many uh, artists that I know personally. It's just my own, th- and uh, mm. I just wonder, like, how much of a role do you play in the studio with these people as therapist, and you know, uh, kind of like more of an emotional producer.
1: Yeah, sometimes I, I think that again, uh, you know, I did not live most of my career this way you know i i was sort of the thing you're talking about like you know really needing to control the process and it's funny because you know ultimately anything good that ended up happening was in those rare moments where I, i was able to just let something go and it emerged by itself but then there's all this unnecessary just like oh like you're just getting in your own way when you're just like trying to control this thing that really can't be controlled and worrying about things that you know, can't really be worried about to any effective end. So you just get in your own way. I, but I realized like all the good things that had happened were in those times when I had just sort of let them happen on their own. I didn't necessarily do it. Um, but it it took me long enough to realize that where, I don't know, I, I probably haven't been in a studio with a lot of bands you know, since I kind of came to some of these conclusions and understood it as well as I do. I think that, or at least in the way that I do now. Um, but, you know, the role of the producer is always somewhat that, you know, you, I've always wanted to make sure the bands feel like I've got it under control. And, it, and in a weird way, I always did, you know, I, I kind of always knew like, we're going to finish it and it's going to be great. And we always did. And We always made it good. So, yeah, th- there is certainly some of that. I I think it'll be interesting to, you know, work with some of these bands again under new conditions. I guess where I feel like I'm a bit more, I don't know, just in in, in control of. I say in control of the in control of not in control of not being in control is really what it is. Yeah.
2: At peace with so, not being in control. Yeah, I suppose. that's a better way to say it. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I mean not to change gears, but this might be a good time to talk about some of the solo work that you've done in in your own compositions, and um, yeah. you know some of the projects that you've released on your own, and how did those come about? And you know, did it kind of coincide with some of this change of thought that yeah. you've had? Tell us about that.
1: Right before COVID hit, it was uh, throughout 2019. I I started doing uh, just some piano improvisations and it was like a definitely like a thing where I woke up and had the idea one day, like I'm going to just improv a piano piece and then put it on YouTube. I didn't even have a YouTube channel. So I had to make one that day. And it just, in the course of it all, it it was a very clear idea that I just had like, well, I take a lot of photos when I travel. Um, So I'm going to use some like photos from Iceland, and just put that as the backdrop of a video and then compose a song, improv it, tweak it a little bit. And then in one day, it has to be one day and I'm gonna do it every week. And then before I knew it, I had 10 songs that were done and people kind of asking like, "Could we get this on a record? And so that was part of, I think why I did that and what I was drawn to with it was that it was, it felt like such a, I don't know, like this kind of stuff we're talking about where it felt like there's not going to be any room for like thinking too much about this. It's just going to, let's see what happens. I don't even know if I'm going to like the song.
2: Like a meditation.
0: It's a catharsis. Did I use that word right, Siobhan? Catharsis, was that right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, it could be. I mean, yeah, I was okay. thinking meditation sort of where you, yeah, it, it's cathartic in a way. I don't know, let Rob tell us what it was.
1: I think meditative is pretty good. Like it, it felt that way for me. And a lot of people feel Sorry, that- <laughs>
0: It. I mean, I I don't have enough V8, the spicy V8. I need some more. (laughs) The vitamins.
1: Cathartic. I mean, music can be that for me. Uh,
0: in this particular case. implies
2: some sort of that you, you're trying to sort of purge something, though. This this seems like it came from a place of peace. Yeah, his ideas.
0: Like- I feel like this guy is like a window to somewhere, and he's just a conduit. He's like, I am merely the Ouija board to Mozart, and it's just coming out of me, and I don't know where it comes from. Like, he's that guy, like Dustin. They're just like, but the, but the aliens. And it's, I love that. I mean, I... Well, you guys are so you're creative geniuses. Like this is like a creative genius thing that it's irreplicable. So it's again, it's like, oh, you, you want the brown sound? Here's the brown sound. It's Eddie Van Halen's fucking hand. You know what I mean? Like that's why it sounds like that. No, but he All understands. Right. Then that's what I love about the way that you work. I appreciate that. Thank Siobhan you. doesn't get it.
2: I, I get it, but I'm just saying back that's... to what we were talking about. <laughs>
0: which was I may, I, I had an epiphany. Is that the right word oh. too?
2: That's that is right. That is. Right. I sometimes Good just job. need to get it out. You guys Good are
1: the job, way more entertaining than I am in this podcast. I'm no. sure.
3: <laughs>
2: I'm sorry.
1: I'm just this like kind of yeah, quiet. You know, we're
3: just here to ensure that that no one accidentally learns anything or you know comes away a better person. <laughs> yeah,
2: we're here to get in the, get in the way of any functional knowledge. No, 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 but but that's that's very cool. I mean, to decide that you want to do this in one day, you know, just like as a challenge i guess and you put it out there and then you've amassed you know some songs so what happened mm-hmm. from there
1: the um i, I just people wanted it on a record and i thought well i did not have intentions of releasing it i guess I, I wasn't thinking about being a solo artist at all really um but enough people liked it and i continued it into another series so i released the first record was called solstice which was ended up being like 13 songs plus some extra bonus versions, and then I've recently released another one called Embers, which is the same idea. And I'll have another one coming up soon called Midwinter. That'll be out like next year or something, late this year maybe. But uh, in the middle of all that, too, I conceived of this other. I wanted to do like a bigger solo project that was. I don't know. I, I it was just something that like I, I thought. Well, almost like all the stuff that I put into the. Productions of like Starset or Red, but without the band part almost. Like, what if I just did a record that was sort of like that? Like it was the big epic strings and the all like the programming, all that kind of stuff, but it just was like minus the rock band. And I had this idea of a project for that. I called it Gods and Martyrs. And that the EP of that I just released earlier this year, but it was I spent probably Maybe three or four years writing and working on those songs. And it was that was a uh, it was one of those experiences where it 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 challenged my creativity a bit in music. Where it was it, it was like trying to find the right sound for it, and it was uh, that's why I liked it actually is because it I knew that if it was like pushing me up against a wall a little bit to like kind of taking me kind of the edge of what I could figure out uh then i knew that it was probably something that was going to be like pretty cool so yeah it, it combines a lot of orchestral and uh, symphonic elements with more modern you know programming and then there's kind of an i've stumbled on this kind of cool thing where it's just I, I tend to add like a lot of almost atonal like distortion into it that acts almost like a vocal it's hard to describe but it's uh that was been a, that's been a fun project and i'm actually finishing that up uh There's an EP out now, but I'll release a full record of that Atonal
0: Distorted Vocals.
1: Well, it's not not a vocal. It's actually, uh, it just almost fills that role. Like you just hear this kind of, everything's sort of, uh, so there's symphonic stuff and a string, and it's all sort of structured, and there's a loop, and then all of a sudden there's like this thing that comes in. It's like this kind of whiny distortion that almost doesn't belong there. It's it's like the thing that's like-
0: It gives you the disconcertion.
1: Doesn't know what note it's playing exactly. It's not really following the rest of the guys. It's just doing its own thing. And there was something about that I thought was really cool. It just felt like it felt like an unformed creation thing. It's like the thing that hasn't quite decided what it's going to be yet, and it's it's bending around notes. And it just there's something about that sound that I'm like, oh, that thing, that little thing, is really going to tie all of these songs together. And it 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 was like a weird. Uh, moment when it hit and i i get that sound a few different ways i actually i've done it with a guitar and a bow before and i've done it mm-hmm. just on synths and just a lot of cool different ways but it's uh yeah there's a that that's i don't know there's just like this sometimes i get ideas that i know that i can't maybe always put into the songs i'm releasing and producing for other people and some just like an overflow sometimes and that's a lot of what these songs, I guess, have been. It's just like, well, I want to do a little bit more.
2: That's I, sim- I was going to ask you because I, I was wondering about the difference in your experience between the, a collaborative project where you're kind of getting feedback from somebody else or ideas versus mm-hmm. you on your own. So I was wondering, but that's interesting that you put it that way. It's kind of an overflow rather than a sort of completely separate self-guided thing.
1: It's, it is self-guided. I say overflow right. in terms of like the ideas I get, but it's... Um, there is a difference though of working with artists and working as the artist. I, I find it, it it's, uh, I don't know. It, I can't quite pinpoint it yet, but I, I do view it maybe a little different. Like it, there's just something about when you're, there's almost a time when I wish like, like someone else could produce these things. Like it's. it's like a, <laughs> that's what I kind of what I was wondering. Through. Yeah. I knew that's what you're asking. And I, I feel that way. I'm like, oh, it would be kind of cool. If, but I get that from like my mixer a little bit, you know, like he'll, sure change things and but yeah there is i've come as i've gotten older to really appreciate the input of others i I think that i always really wanted to do it myself before and there's just this like magic that happens when like more people are like coming together and doing something and it just there's influences and ideas and inspirations that i just would not get by myself you know or you can try to manufacture them but it's not the same you know you you need that kind of pushing each other but Probably why that took like four years to do the EP. So,
3: yeah. Sp- speaking of, of taking four years, and you know, you can answer this in terms of your own stuff and you know, working with other artists. But I know, I know, just from from looking at your your Instagram and your and the videos you posted, like you tend to have very dense projects uh, mm. and, and a lot of tracks and everything. Oh, yeah. And when you're yeah, doing yeah. something like that, especially your own stuff, how do you know when you're done?
1: Um, when I can't think of anything else to put on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: It's dangerous with, with, with Lost Symphony here. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, there's always yeah. something else. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's I mean. Uh I mean, I, 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 almost that in a way. I, I don't know. There, there is that's a great question. I've I've always just known, I think. Mm. Um the projects are are dense in two different ways, I would say, first of all. Um with star set in particular, we have these huge sessions because there are so many like genre shifts that you know you just have to like. So so basically like the chorus needs its own song
3: mm-hmm.
1: in terms mm-hmm. of tracks. But then the pre-chorus might be, you know, some sort of like techno kind of build thing that requires an entire other song worth of tracks that aren't even used in the verse or the chorus. So you've got now all those tracks. And then the verses are again their own thing. So there, each section of the song is really like th- there's no overlap of tracks because the the section sounds so different that you need a whole new right. set of tracks. So you end Makes up having sense. like 200 tracks. Um, they can be dense, just you know, all within themselves as well. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think there's elements I'm looking for in each section, and then I kind of know when they're when they're met. You know, I know.
3: I think that's something that a lot of younger producers and, and songwriters, I think that's like the first struggle you have, especially when you're when you're starting to write out, you don't have a body of work behind you. So the first thing, few mm-hmm. things you release are very important to you. And I think that there's like this thing, it's like, well, do I need to add something else? Or is this, should I re sing this chord? Like there's like this kind of hesitance to put that out there. Um, yeah. And, you know, obviously at a point, this point in your career and, and with your philosophy, you're, you're a little more open to letting things go you know, as we wrap up, can you speak to that to someone that maybe is still dealing with that pressure Mm. and to like make everything perfect?
1: Well, perfectionism is a, is a form of fear, really. You're, you're just, you're worried about outcomes. You're like, what if it's not perfect? And you're, you have to like, it's not going to be perfect. So you have, you, you don't even know what perfect is. That's like the first thing to let go of. It's not just that have to let go of it. it's not gonna be perfect let go of the idea that you even know what perfect might be it could be you could draw a map and make it you know have engineers make it exactly like you think you want something to be but then it turns out somehow maybe you'll hate it in a year like you don't even you just, you don't you need to let go of the idea that there is such a thing as perfect so that that helps a lot though because then it frees you to really just focus on what you like And I I would encourage everyone to like, just trying to create, to really create for themselves. Like it's forget all this, like proven things to somebody else. You're going to show everybody like, fuck all that. Like that's never going to get you anywhere. Like this is coming from in you. It needs to be for you. It's always that. And then, then you give it to other people after that. You know, it's, you don't always keep it. You you do want to give it out, but the, the impetus for doing it really needs to be, it's, it's always something that, you want to hear you want it has to escape you like it's something that should be like what's that thing that has to get out i, I would always uh, any idea like that that you're if you're trying to shape it too much it's i don't know there, there's this idea of uh if you can let something go then if you can like live with yourself then you should if you let it go then you should just let that go immediately and stop wasting your time and then find the thing that you you can't let go like the thing that you have to actually you can't let go of getting it outside of you you have to like create this thing like that's the thing you're looking for and uh if you latch onto that then you're on you're on this path of doing the thing that's for you and then I guarantee you there's going to be other people who will love it. So I would say trust yourself, you know, first and foremost, because you can't get in this habit of trying to create for other people. So it's uh, a, and that's a trust thing. It's hard to do that because, you know, it's, you're going to be, you'll feel like what if people think it's bad or if they think it's stupid or if they, uh, and it's like, some people will.
3: Hmm. Easy to solve
1: that problem. They will think it's bad. Some people will hate (laughs) it. So it's guaranteed to happen. So great. Now you know that. You don't have to worry about it anymore. And yeah. then you can just do your thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's that's amazing advice. And it's I think part of the hard, you know, I guess the hard part of that too is that we have the access to things like YouTube where it's like, okay, how to make a song, how to produce this. And you really have to make the choice to kind of tune a lot of that out and go inward. And I think that's almost the hardest part of it, you know, is the willingness to mm-hmm. not seek that guidance ahead of time or, you know, sort of a template or look for the answers before you start it, because that, that could be a slippery slope of really being influenced away from maybe what you actually would have created.
1: Yeah. There is, uh, the danger of, I think this is, you know, when you, all these kind of like fears of perfectionism and all these things, it, it sort of encourages this idea of like following templates and methods and, I think once you get the understanding of everything I just talked about of where you you understand you're kind of doing it for you and you maybe you've let go of some of these ideas of it has to be perfect or it has to be anything that you need a certain outcome you know you've kind of worked through that once you're there then you can look at that stuff but you're not necessarily doing it for a method or a template you're you're maybe just thinking of like is there maybe a best practices that's how I I would view it like there's obviously things you know, like if, if you want to learn how to, if I want to learn to um, say, I want to release a piano record, I have to obviously learn to play piano. So there is some element of you, you can learn things and you can improve your craft, but it's, I view those things as more like, what's the place you're doing it from? Like, so if I'm looking at all these things of how to produce a record, how to do this, da, 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 like, am I doing it because I want somebody to give me like a, a method or like a paint by the numbers kind of thing? Uh, or am I doing it from a place of I can learn things I can improve my craft there's a craft element to this and there's a mechanics element so am I just doing that that's fine of course you have to improve your craft there's nothing wrong with that and then you can take what you want leave what you don't want and then you can make it your own thing later So I think there is a way to look at methods and look at all this stuff where, it's just from the place you're doing it from. Like once you know there's no secret, there's no real thing they're gonna tell you that's gonna be anything other than you gotta do the work and get it done. Once you know that, then you can just say, okay, well maybe I can just still learn something here. And then, I don't know, it's just a point of view. It's a,
0: so let me ask this, do yeah. you believe in synchronicity?
1: On what, in what terms? Like what,
3: what do you Well,
0: mean? so I'm just listening to what you're saying. And you know, uh, so I- and Googling synchronicity. Well, no, I know what it means. That <laughs> yeah. wasn't when I was Googling, but I was Googling, correct? I would say broadly, yes. I'm just curious what you're... So I, I wrote my passion project. and I don't mean wow. to make it about me, but this is really weird. On piano, where
1: mm-hmm.
0: I was just like, you know what? I'm not going to do any beats. I'm not going to do any songs for anybody else. I'm just going to write piano music, instrumental. I, mean, I want this guy, I want guitar players on it, like Randy Rhodes get this guy, Jason Costa, to come down and play drums. And he's like, my guitarist, Ollie Herbert. Ollie Herbert, that I'm pretty sure you know, came down. Oh, yeah. And he's like, he's like, hey, man, I love what you're doing. Why don't we put strings on it? I met this girl. She plays strings. <laughs> really? Yeah, backstage. I heard her playing Vivaldi. You did? Do you think she'll come to Boston? Maybe. And I literally put together this band where the presupposition of it was no vocals. None of that constraints mm. take the cashmere route and instead have the, the guitars and all this virtuosity, but, but, but not unnecessarily. And let's put strings with metal and go from these crazy classical, super dramatic stops. And that's what lost symphony was. And that's our connection is Ollie Herbert and Siobhan. And I met them completely. Serendipitously, which is also the word I'm using. You can look. I use synchronicity, correct, and serendipitous. <laughs> I looked them both up way ahead of this episode. Yeah, hundred percent on all this the exam today. But do you not? I think it's amazing yeah. that you wrote this piano thing and that you people wanted it. And then, meanwhile, like that's what I'm trying to do with Ollie Herbert. That's how I met him, and God yeah. rest his soul. So yeah. it's just a strange synchronicity. I mm-hmm. use it right. And I just wanted to point that out and say, uh, you know, I, I'm thankful because the only gold record that Corey and I have is because of Ollie. And uh, it was because we were working on this silly project and then we ended up walking into All That Remains. So it was really cool that, you know, uh, that's the only time yeah. I even got close to your level of Bubble Bobble. So cheers to Ollie.
1: Well, well Ollie, I, yeah, I wrote a bunch of songs with those guys. and. Yeah. Um, I, I absolutely, I'm never surprised when those things happen. I I almost, I expect them to happen pretty much. Like it's, yeah, I, I think that's sort of how it works. Like that's the idea.
0: We need yeah. to send him the Lost yeah. Symphony records, just so you we're know, like if you're to, willing well, to listen. Yeah. to them, yeah, yeah, please. He has.
2: I've, I've sent him. I've sent him some. He's oh, listened yeah. already. But let's. We're gonna send you the records if you like records. Yeah,
0: they're beautiful records. Just yeah, the printing do. and all that. They're they're, they're, some they're the, the vinyl. Yeah, actual records. Like you know, he old actually school, talked it up, about it in the period
2: it. of time that you didn't show up at the beginning of the episode, so you missed that whole part.
1: But I am blown away by those records. I just would like a chance to say, like, the stuff you guys do is like. I, you sent it to me for the first time and I heard it. I was like, geez, this is like, <laughs> the guitar work is insane and the string, everything is just, it's incredible. I, it's like really like, I heard so many things. So I'm not surprised at all to hear all this stuff about Randy, Randy Rhodes and all these things, these commonalities, because I heard that and I'm like, okay, well, this is somebody that speaks like my language here. so.
2: Well, a little that's a little good. side note is that you actually inspired me in the writing of the strings on those, because as I was in the oh, studio, wow. I'm thinking, oh, what happens in some of the star set strings that I really liked? <laughs> you know, and so it really it challenged that's me cool. to be bold and to pick the weird note and to do something that was surprising. Oh, so all the things that we talked about. So it, it kind of comes full circle. So believe it or not, you're a part of Lost Symphony, too. Oh,
0: wow. And wow. here's the crazy thing. you have to send it to, to him. So we haven't released it. But we did a cover of Over the Mountain. And first off, Paul on drums took Lee Kerslake and Tommy Aldridge and mixed it together perfectly into a perfect blend. But Siobhan triples the solo with this guy, Joey Concepcion. And you don't even know it's not guitar because she's playing. So she does Randy Rhodes to the point where I challenge you. You're going to be like, that's so Randy because it's her hands and this guy, Joey. Is literally a mystic on guitar. Like his ability to like just get that tone. It's like his hand is a Kemper. It's wow. crazy. <laughs> so, but we're gonna send that to you because I made her learn Randy He's Rhodes. Good. I'm like, please, just do the Randy Rhodes. Just do the solo. She's like, okay, and she learned the this Over the awesome, Mountain yeah. solo because she was asking people what solo she wanted to learn. I was like, if you don't learn a Randy Rhodes solo, in particular a deep one, because everyone learns Mr. Crowley. Do yeah. Over the Mountain.
2: Yeah, we'll send yeah, it to so you.
1: Yes, you have to send it to me. And there For is sure. a lot of. I, there's a lot of overlap there, anyway. Just I, I was thinking about this actually today. The, you know, just you're playing a lot of the parts that you know, I probably had some hand in creating in the studio, and then you know you're out there playing them every night for all these people. They get to hear it, you know. And you're, you're you're the way that they get to hear it. You know, things that I might have written. So there's I don't know. There's is a cool like synchronicity there to use your term again. Yeah, of, uh, ab-
2: absolutely. Absolutely
1: goes back and forth. I love it.
2: Yeah. Very cool. Synchronicity, the theme of this the show. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Yeah. Rob, thank you for hanging with us. The uh the amount of things that I've learned, uh I thought I was going to learn more about vocal chains and compression but I learned more wow. about myself
1: I
2: feel we'll like. have
3: to
1: do another one if you're
2: talking about that? We will. We'll we'll, we'll do a continuation. Yeah.
3: yeah, I do I didn't miss it. Let me just put it that way. I, I think that that you've dropped a ton of knowledge on on this episode that people are going to be able to take away. I cool. certainly appreciate it Great. and uh we're going to be checking out your music. We're going to have links to everything below.
1: I love it. I love it.
2: Yeah, and for everyone check out Rob Graves. Yeah, to check out your socials and your website, listen to your music. Yep. Um, you know, obviously to all the star set fans out there, I'm excited that you got to hear these episodes. If you didn't hear part one, go back and hear it. But yeah, Rob, I mean, you're, you're a true philosopher, creator, (laughs) all the words that Ben would like to use that I'm stealing from him right now. It's, it's, (laughs) it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. Really?
1: Thank you guys so much. Yeah. Cool. So check
3: out 2020-d.com guys, and we'll catch you next time. Subscribe thank you as always for checking out this episode of 2020 please visit 2020-d.com like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes this week's throwback clip is from episode 157 featuring Jonathan Weiner mastering engineer check it out
1: well I mean the, the, you know less is more and, and bigger and more established mixers know this that, that it's really kind of about getting stuff in in good shape figuring out the arrangement I mean fig, like the editing that you do before you even start mixing is going to make the rest of it better and when when people you know have select so like too many ingredients for the soup and they're like well i have to put everything in there because i have this stuff that creates problems you know there's mass.
3: symphony.com <laughs> everyone uh, <laughs> I was say, check out this our new uh, song
0: has 135 <laughs> tracks how many how yes. many layers of trombone do we put on this last week was it 10 uh,
3: yeah i was just editing oh. that today actually and there's yes yeah, so we, we uh We uh, we did not heed that advice. Um,
0: Flute, the flute was good. The flute was good.
3: (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Yes, welcome everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz, and I'm Flynn McLean. Together, we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our biweekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hayden, Backstreets magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Them But The Brave on your favorite podcasting platform. And we hope to see you further on up the road.
0: Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you.